0: May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Lord, you have been unbelievably gracious to us. You have blessed us as a church. Lord, thank you for pouring out your blessings. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Yes, Lord, as the message goes out online to all the different corners of the earth, Lord, we pray that your gospel uh, would go out and many people would come to know you and that salvation would come to all the nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May the peoples praise you. May we be a people that come and praise you, and we thank you for all the ways that you have worked in and through our lives, God. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly, and you guide the nations of the earth. Yes. Lord, may we be the people that are glad, because we know you, even in the midst of chaos and confusion, in the midst of this virus, we still can... Know your goodness and your grace, so help us be glad and be filled with joy. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Yes, God. Help us to be reminded that even though people have fear of this virus, the thing that we really should fear is you. You are all powerful. You are almighty. And it's a, it's a healthy fear to be uh, fearful of our Lord because you are in control and you are almighty and you are all powerful. And so I pray, God, as we continue to open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we've been going through Genesis, I've been trying to share with you a couple of uh, really uh, deep thoughts and uh, deep questions for you. So I have a couple of those for you this morning. Uh, one is, what do they call a pastor in Germany? Do you know a German shepherd? If you can't hear at home what they said, they said this. Okay. And one more, one more. I think you'll like this one even better. What is a salesman's favorite scripture passage? The Great Commission. (laughs) They like that one, right? Okay, there you go. All right. So we're talking about prosperity uh, this morning. When I was doing those jokes when no one was here, I didn't actually get the actual feedback, and now getting the actual feedback from people, I think I'm going to stop doing those jokes from now on. Amen. Charles Swindoll says that for every nine people in the Bible who can handle adversity, there's only one who can handle prosperity. And uh, I see that too in my life as a pastor as you're doing marriage vows with people at fishing people's wedding. There's a top line and a bottom line, right? It says for better or for worse, sickness and health. And a lot of people think that you need to say those vows for the times of adversity. And certainly we're going through a time of adversity now and it does test us a little bit. But what I see is that most people struggle in their marriages, they struggle in their lives when there's actually prosperity in their lives, and we see that in Scripture, We see that in our own country, don't we? I mean, we've been through a Great Depression. We've been through uh, multiple world wars, and we're going through this virus, and there's something that rises up within us when we're going through adversity, but I think being a country of so much prosperity that sometimes it's really difficult to pass that test, and this is not a message this morning as we go through Genesis 13 about the evils of uh, being rich and about how it's so great to be poor. That's not what it's about but it's about us understanding and seeing how Abram passed the test of prosperity and how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us too. Uh, It's interesting with all the different uh, lottery winners that have happened over the years that uh, many lottery winners end up uh, blowing all their money. They end up... uh, going through really difficult things. And the National Endowment of Financial Education said about 70% of people who suddenly receive a windfall of cash will lose it within the first few years. And one of the lottery winners in Long Island, Donna Micken, she said she considered herself a happy person before she won. She said, when we won the lottery, my inner dialogue became manic. I became more concentrated about how I was being judged and perceived, not realizing I was the one doing the judging in the first place. If you ask me, my life was hijacked by the lottery. See, the test of prosperity is really, really difficult to pass, but Abram did that. He passed the test of prosperity, and He certainly was not a perfect person. As we've looked through the last several chapters of Genesis, we see all the mistakes that he has made as a leader. Yet God still works in him through his life. And so we're going to look this morning in Genesis chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. If not, you can look on the screen to follow along. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier when he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose from Abram's herdsmen and herdsmen of Lot, and the Canaanites and the per- Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers." Is not the whole land before you? Let us part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt t- toward Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched its tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look to the north and the south and the east and the west. All the land you see I give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so if anyone could count the dust, your offspring could be counted." Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. There's a lot of really amazing things, a lot of awesome gospel lessons we can learn uh, from this passage. First, if you remember, Abram comes from leaving Egypt. This was the time where... He had told Pharaoh that his wife was his sister, and uh, he not only was able to escape during that time, but Pharaoh gave him great riches and gave him great wealth because Pharaoh was fearing the Lord and what the Lord might end up doing to him. And so Abram goes and he travels about, and then he comes back to the place where he originally worshipped the Lord and built an altar And he does that same exact thing again. I love this response. After he had sinned against the Lord, after he had deceived Pharaoh, he comes back and he worships God. It says, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And I can just picture, I don't think this was just a simple prayer that he had. I think this was a time of worship. And this is part of the reason why we run to worship for God too, don't we? Because we realize that we have sin in our life. We realize that we fall short in our life. And so we want to call on the one who's able to forgive, to give, give great mercy and great grace. And Abram does that. He has this time of reflection I can just picture. A time where he comes back, where he first built an altar to the Lord, to come back to that place in Bethel. And to say, God, I have made mistakes I want to keep worshiping you. You have blessed me and my family in in spite of my mistakes. And I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. And it's interesting, shortly after he calls on the name of the Lord, he now goes through another test. But this time, it's a test of prosperity. And as I've kind of laid out in the beginning, sometimes tests of prosperity are much more difficult to pass. And so he is... With all of these herds and all of these people, and many theologians say that both Abram and Lot had at least a thousand people, a thousand person entourage going with them everywhere they went. And so you have all of these people uh, that were going from place to place. And in verse five it says, "Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, But the land could not support them. While they stayed together, for their possessions were so great, and they were not able to stay together. I mean, these were like first world problems for them, right? I caught myself last week being like, man, I just don't have any more room in my refrigerator for my food. I can't find a place to put this. And I caught myself, and I thought, wow, what an amazing problem to have, right? I'm so, so blessed and so, so thankful for all the ways that God has blessed me and my family. And that's what was going on here with Abram and Lot. He was blessed immensely with all these flocks and all this livestock and all of these riches and all of these people. And they realize that the land is not going to be able to support them. They can't uh, have the livestock feeding on the grass. There's not en- enough grass for them to feed on. There's not enough resources for them to all live on. And you have to rem- Remember that Abram was the one that was leading all this. The blessing was on Abram. Everything that Lot and his family had, he got from his uncle. He was riding the coattails of Abram. And so if they were going to part ways, if they were going to do something different, then certainly Abram would have had the first choice to be able to do whatever he wanted. But he has a very, very interesting uh, response to Lot. As people are quarreling, as people are fighting, their herdsmen are fighting together, and I see this so often with families that will get a windfall from uh, something left to them in a the will or or something that is left to them as as land as possessions is that they 'll fight over the possessions they don 't care about the relationship they they forsake the relationship for the sake of possessions. And we see that all the time happening in our world. And I love how God works through Abram's life. And we see how the the gospel is moving in his life because he has a response that's unbelievably humble and shows that he can handle the test of prosperity. Abram says to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. Between your herdsman and mine. So he's even concerned about how the groups of people are quarreling with each other. And that relationship too. And he says, we're brothers. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. I mean, what an amazing thing for Abram to pass this, this test of prosperity. For instead of him saying, you know what, I'm the one, I'm the reason that we're blessed in all these ways, so I'm going to pick the best land for my family, he says, you know what, Lot, I don't want to have any more fighting. We're brothers. And I think at Good News, we talk about a disciple being someone who loves Jesus and loves one another and loves the lost. And that one another is loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think especially in a small group church where we're spending a lot of time together, it can be very, we can very easily annoy each other. We can very easily bother each other. But for the sake of the gospel, we can put those things aside and say that we want God to be glorified. We want the unbelievers that are looking into our church to say, wow, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And even though they might quarrel or fight, they put the glory of the Lord first. And that's what happens here with Abram. Lot's response is a little different, isn't it? Lot's response, you would think, would be, oh, uncle. I mean, all these things I have that me and my wife and my family have is because of you, because of the blessing that God has on you. Please, no, I insist you take the place, but that doesn't quite happen, does it? I can almost imagine a conversation between Lot and his wife saying, you know, Uncle Abram is saying we could take any lands, you know, maybe I should give it back to him, and no, 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 take the good lands, we can have a nice house outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. I heard it's a little rough there, but it's, it's, it's a city, and we can have uh, a gas range and granite countertops, and it's going to be awesome if we go and live there. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And I'm not sure if that conversation actually happened, but something happened because Lot looked up, and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered. You notice where he looked first? When Abram came back from Egypt after he made his mistakes, where did he look first? Where did he look? He looked to the Lord first. That's where he looked. Lot, instead of taking some time to consider what the Lord might want him to do, the first thing he does is he looks up and he sees, wow, that land over there is barren. That land to the east in the Jordan, wow. Wow. That is a landfill of milk and honey, and that's where I want to go. He doesn't even consider what the Lord might want him to do. And when I first read this, I thought, man, what a knucklehead Lot is. I mean, he doesn't even consider what the Lord wants. And then right away, as soon as that thought came into my head, the next thought was, Andy, you're a knucklehead too, because I oftentimes will do this. I don't know about you, but I'll oftentimes just see a choice, and I'll just go for it. Go with what my heart desires. Go with what my sin desires instead of considering what the Lord might want for my life. And Lot doesn't even think at all about what the Lord might want. He looks up at the Jordan, and it was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden. This looked amazing. This looked phenomenal. Like the land of Egypt that was full of lush plants and life. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. As Abram passes this test of prosperity with flying colors, Lot completely fails, doesn't he? And listen, we we all fail. We all fall short. And that's why the action step for this week is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're in the midst of prosperity and even through this virus, maybe you're still employed. and Maybe your business is doing well. Or maybe your family is doing really well. Or maybe things are going better than you ever imagined them to, to, to be. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can pass the test of prosperity. If things are not going so well, maybe you're going through a really rough patch, like I know a lot of people in our church and our community are. Maybe you have lost your job. Maybe you don't know what the next step is. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We could pass the test of adversity. We can pass the test of prosperity. And it's really interesting what happens after a lot makes this choice. It says, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. You notice it says east too. That's the way that Lot went. It says east. It says look to the north, south, east, west. Look at all the different places that Lot didn't choose and also look at the place that Lot did choose. It says, all the land you see I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk the length of the breadth of the land, for I am giving you. See, Abram made a choice to honor God. And it isn't like God is a genie in the bottle. It isn't like every single time we make a choice to honor him, he's just going to pour out financial blessings. But he does pour out spiritual blessings on us when we fall after him. When we fall after him, we know that we're making choices to honor and glorify him. When we make those choices to do that, we know we're always making the choices that are the right choice. And Abraham, Abraham does that. He makes that choice, and then God blesses him. And then Abram's response once again is to worship. And that's why we should run together to worship uh, in our building or online because we realize that even in the midst of all of our trouble, even in the midst of all of our sin, that God is good. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. I love his response. And listen, I'm not telling you to be like Abram. Because Abram failed in many ways. What we need to be like and model our lives like is model our lives to being gospel-centered people, to being Christ-confidence, to have Christ-confidence in our life. I think that most people in the United States imagine their prosperity to be 95% their effort and then maybe 5% God. But I think it would be a lot better for all of us if we flip those numbers at the very least And realize that we need to be Christ-confident, that any prosperity that we have is the majority of what God did in our lives and how he's working in and through us. Many of you have seen these famous pictures of a turtle on a fence post, right? When a turtle is on a fence post, you know that someone put that turtle there, right? That turtle didn't get up on that fence post by himself, and that's what I think about any prosperity that we might have in our life. That turtle is on that fence post because someone put it there. You ever think about your life? You ever think about you being born here in America? Are you living here in World Golf Village? You could have been born at any time and at any place. Do you realize how amazing God is in your life that you're sitting here in a church in World Golf Village, even though you're social distanced, you're sitting here worshiping God or you're at home and you're sitting on a couch and you actually have internet and you have air conditioning and you're able to enjoy a message? You could have been born anywhere. You could have been born as a woman 200 years ago in Pakistan. Your life would have been unbelievably different we all of us even though many of us don't consider ourselves rich we all all of us have to pass the test of prosperity living here in world golf village florida i mean think about it think about what our community is named world golf village i mean that just screams prosperity right we live in a village dedicated to golf that's where we live We're called to pass this test of prosperity, and there's no way that we can do it on our own. We desperately need to be Christ-confident. We desperately need to count on Christ showing up in our lives, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Because the bottom line is the more opportunities that we have, the more trouble that we can get into. Right? I mean, the number one factor whether a man is unfaithful to his wife is opportunity. I mean, you look at all these stars, like someone like Tiger Woods. I mean, you think about all the opportunities he had to be unfaithful, and he fell into that. You think about all the distractions that we have. When, when 9-11 happened, people came running back to the church. When there was adversity, I remember that uh, prayer meeting that we had on Wednesday. At the time, we used to meet uh, at, in, for prayer every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., and we usually have maybe a dozen people. That would be a, a big crowd. That next Wednesday after 9-11, there was 300 people there praying. See, adversity drives us to, to worship God. and Prosperity should be the same thing. But in our world, in our community, we have so many distractions. And that's why I believe that this this season that we've been going through has been so good for us to have some things stripped away so we can realize that the only way that we're going to make it in this world is by being Christ-confident, by having the foundation of Jesus in our lives. Are, Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Abram Pass the test of prosperity, and, and we need to pass the test of prosperity too, but the only way that's going to happen is by us believing in the gospel together. The only way that we're going to do that is by understanding how good God is and what Jesus has done. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse, verse uh, 8 and 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And he's not talking about financial blessings there. But think about what that verse says. Jesus was in heaven, the third person of the Trinity, in perfection. And he came down to earth to be born amongst us, a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. And he did that because he's a seeking and saving Savior. He did that because he saw us in our sin, in our wretchedness. Each and every one of us has gone astray. And because of that, we we deserve death. That's what our lives deserve. But he became poor and lived among us and lived a perfect life and died on a cross for the sake of of us and he rose from the dead victorious over that sin so that we could experience hope and joy and eternal life have you ever trusted in jesus if you've trusted in jesus you're the richest person that i know you're rich in spiritual blessings you have an eternal perspective that no matter what happens on this earth COVID-19 happens. There's a second wave of it that happens. There's unemployment that happens. There's suffering that happens. You know where the foundation of joy and peace is, and that's in Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you do that this morning? My heart literally breaks for you, breaks for you, because you don't know where to find peace You don't know where to find true riches. You've been trying to fill up your life with all kinds of different things. But everything minus Jesus equals nothing. And so if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you do that this morning? Won't you do that? Won't you be Christ confident? It's the most important thing that you can do. And if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior then you can know how easy it is for you to fall into sin. You know how easy it is because you've lived a life of sin and then you've been forgiven. And so when you hear of people that don't pass the test of prosperity, instead of the first thing, the first thought being judgment, we need to realize that without Christ, we would never pass any of those tests. Without God working in Abram's life, there's no way that he would ever have passed any of the tests that, that God gave him. For us, we can be Christ confident. I believe that we can enjoy life so much more when we realize that God is the one who blesses us. That we're satisfied in him. That we're satisfied in the blessings that he gives us. That we're satisfied in all the ways that he has uh, given us spiritual blessings and material blessings. Listen to what it says here in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 17 here in closing. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in we- wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Listen, we know through this season that prosperity, that riches of this world, they come and go very quick, don't they? Nobody could have ever predicted six months ago that we'd have all these businesses be closed. We'd have record numbers of unemployment. This world that we live in is very, very uncertain. But the, world, the, the God that we worship is very certain. The God that we come to, the God that we count on, the confidence that we have in Christ can be a firm foundation. So if a test of adversity comes our way, a test of prosperity comes our way, we know where our foundation is. And our foundation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's run to him. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful and so thankful that we can be Christ-confident in you. The only way that Abram was able to pass all these tests that he was under was because of you working in his life. The only way that we can pass the test of prosperity in our lives is to be Christ-confident. The only way that when adversity comes that we don't fall apart, that we don't completely break down is because Of you King Jesus and so I pray right now for our world I pray right now for our community Lord help us to be the salt and light help us to not fall into the ways of the world but to help the world run to the only hope that there is for this entire universe and that's you King Jesus Lord I pray that we would run to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and when tests of prosperity come and tests of adversity come We remember what our foundation is, that our foundation is in the one who never changes, you, King Jesus. Amen.